0: You hear find a mentor a lot, find a partner that you can do a deal with, somebody that can sponsor a deal, somebody that can capitalize a deal, somebody that has a resume or experience in the industry, go find a partner.
1: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Tate Seymour. Tate is joining us from Salt Lake City, Utah. He is a full-time syndicator and operator with 16 years of experience. Tate has 300 units under management and has 252 more under contract. He has also flipped over 40 single-family rentals and has experience in development and land deals. Tate, thank you for joining us, and how are you today?
0: Oh, man, this is awesome. I'm great. And it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Before
2: we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Yeah, originally from Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio, grew up in the suburbs, went to college in Ohio, and quickly in my adult life moved, relocated to Salt Lake City, Utah where I became a ski bum in my 20s and a ski photographer, and then eventually got into more formal photography type work, weddings and portraits, found that that wasn't going to support the lifestyle that I aspired to and decided that real estate investing looked really fun from the outside. And I had friends, they were flipping a triplex at the time. So I took a really basic Investment course in 2006, started flipping single-family houses here in Utah and did 10 or so houses probably before the crash. Also became a real estate agent and worked with other investors and brokered deals as well. The crash happened. I got out of real estate completely for some other business adventures and waited for things to come back in the real estate world. And then in 2012, my current partner, Carl York, and myself started flipping single family houses again in Salt Lake and really got busy with it this time. Did about 40 houses or so over the course of six years and really ranged from anywhere from a hundred and seventy thousand dollar house to a million point two scenario and everything in between. And Again, found that we weren't able to scale that business to the degree that we wanted to as far as revenue and profit, et cetera. So we started to expand our horizons into the development world where we built six townhomes, million-dollar high-end luxury townhomes in downtown Salt Lake. We also did a couple of land entitlement deals where we bought raw land And had the official entitlement work done so that they were permitted for development projects. And then we sold those projects to developers. And in the meantime, we had a 12-unit apartment fall in our lap. Literally, somebody brought it to us and said, you guys should do this. It's a great deal. Here's why. Here's how you should do it, et cetera. And we thought about apartments, but not really seriously. I never really... Gotten my head around this is something that I could really do and do well and do full time and make it our focus. That deal turned out to be a really good deal for us. We did a full gut job remodel on the whole building, everything from windows to floors to roof to mechanicals, etc. And uh, made a from that flip. We didn't cash flow it. Kind of wish we had kept it and figured out a way to cash flow it now because it'd be worth quite a bit more now. But that really launched our larger scale apartment quest. And we've since been in search of the big unit count assets. So we own a 20 unit here in Utah, but then we own 179 units in Mansfield, Ohio, and 70 units in Columbus, Ohio, 51 units in Oklahoma City. We have 192 under contract in Oklahoma City and another 60 in Columbus that we're about to close on. And we are about to go under contract on a community that's just under 400 units in Oklahoma City. So we're cooking right now. It's kind of taken a couple of years to really come to this point of blossoming, so to speak. But we're in that stage of we've gotten past our first big deals now. So people are taking us seriously. Brokers are bringing us deals. It's easier to find money, easier to find capital partners. And we're on a really great path. So... That's kind of what we're up to Tate. That's a hell of a
2: run. When was your first syndication?
0: First syndication technically was this year. We closed our 20 unit last summer and we have investors in that, but it's set up as a joint venture. So it's technically not a syndication. So the first true syndication we did and closed on, we closed on just, what was that now? About, I guess, five, six months ago. So we're still pretty new to this game and we're getting our asset management game on and learning all the ins and outs about that. But we've got a lot of experience on our team. I've got two other partners in addition to Carl now. One of our partners has about a $100 million portfolio here in Salt Lake of apartments and has a ton of property management experience and construction experience. So we're well resourced and partnering up with him was one of the best things we ever did, by the way. So- um, hey. So
2: when you were flipping the 40 houses and the 12 yep. unit, where did the capital come from?
0: On houses, we used hard money all the time. We have a great hard money connection a broker here in town, and we've been working with him for almost 10 years now on most of our deals. We found that hard money is quick and nimble and flexible. And when you have a good broker that knows you and knows your credit profile and basically just can tell you a yes or a no pretty quickly. That's a really good position to be in. What are the terms on that? We typically were paying two origination points in about 12%, sometimes 10%. And we've used other hard money sources too, family, friends, for stuff like that. And then on that 12 unit, we actually got a construction loan. So essentially a bridge loan that paid for the purchase and for the renovation. And we had to bring, I believe about 150,000 the table and we actually found an investor for that. So we did that whole deal, essentially no money out of pocket. We had to bring in some money at the end to kind of shore up some things, some over budget items. But for the most part, that was a no money out of pocket deal for us. And we've continued to raise capital from family, friends, network, just basically doing business and meeting people.
2: Your first syndication, how many
0: units was that? Well, we closed our 70 units in Columbus and our 179 unit in Mansfield almost simultaneously. Both of
2: those were syndications? They were. Okay. Are the returns on both units pretty similar?
0: Yeah, they are. They're in the mid to high teens IRR on both of those deals. We either do a seven or an eight pref to our LP investors, and then we do a 70-30 split or a 60-40 split, depending on the deal and how much it returns in the way of revenue. So that's kind of how we set things up.
2: And is that a guaranteed prep?
0: It is a guaranteed pref. Yep. Okay. What's your projected hold time? Because
2: this is your yeah. first
0: year. Those first two deals, we're looking probably close to a three-year hold as opposed to a five-year hold. We usually look at both a three and a five-year hold scenario because three years is a good point to refinance, which is a great exit strategy, especially if we're trying to keep property for the long-term, which we are ultimately, we will refinance our investors out sometimes and retain the property. So we've got a seven-year hold that we're modeling right now. And the reason why it's seven is because we're assuming a loan, but it's a fantastic loan. So it's worth assuming. And it's got about a seven-year term left on it.
2: What's the rate on that loan?
0: It's in the high threes. And is that guaranteed for how long? Guaranteed for the term of the loan, which is another seven years
2: tate if you refinance a property what do your investors get as a return do they get the projected amount you thank them for their investment and off to the next one
0: yeah that's basically it we try to provide investors every single time what we have not promised but what we've projected and make them very happy they our investors and our residents are the people that we serve in our business so They're our top priority along with the residents, and we're always thinking about things from their eyes, what their needs might be, what their wants might be, and what's a good win for them in the long run. So yeah, they will get their capital back at the refi, and then they will get what Their projected return was.
1: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. RealestateAccounting.co's top tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved.
2: Tate, one of your partners has a $100 million portfolio. Mm -hmm. Why syndicate and why not just use him as your investor?
0: Well, he's like everybody else. He's doing lots and lots of deals all the time. So this whole game with apartments is finding deals and finding dollars. And you can have $100 million out there working for you And still be finding new deals and still needing more capital to do the deals. So, we as a team are always raising capital and always bringing in capital partners and syndication partners because we always have new deals coming in and everybody's got their ceiling, even somebody with really deep pockets and a big portfolio. What that portfolio allows us to do and what his net worth allows us to do, because he owns a big chunk of that portfolio outright is it allows us to borrow a lot of money. He qualifies for loans that we otherwise would not qualify for. So it's incredibly powerful weapon, I guess, to have in our own. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And where do you find those loans? Is it institutions? Is it Wall Street?
0: Yeah, institutions. Small banks right now are fantastic sources for apartment building loans and bridge loans, construction loans. Credit unions are good. We did our 20 unit with a credit union loan that basically is set up as a construction loan. And then we do look at agency debt when we're looking at more of a permanent sort of hold. So look at that. Small banks,
2: I agree, are incredible to work with, but they often have legal lending limits where Mm -hmm. they can't take on some of the larger projects. Have you ran into that?
0: We haven't yet. The largest project that we've been working on is about $26 So we haven't reached a ceiling yet as far as that goes. Is it
2: a small bank or is it a regional bank? A local uh,
0: or a regional? Well, we're still sourcing. That, so we've honed in, but we haven't picked a horse yet, so okay. to speak. But we're looking at both.
2: Tate, if you look back into your real estate career, what's one thing you wished you did
0: differently? Oh, geez. So many things. But I wish that I could go back and have a conversation with myself about 10 years ago and advise myself to put buying and holding property at the absolute number one priority in our business and make everything else peripheral to that. So had we done that through this last boom, especially in Utah, we would be in a much different place than we are. Quite simply, we sold almost everything that we bought and renovated and and improved. So we didn't enjoy the long-term appreciation of those properties. So I would really go back and have a heart-to-heart with myself about that. And then I would also include in that conversation the idea that going into bigger unit count assets with multifamily properties, in other words, commercial apartments, is something that's more doable than one might think at first glance. And it's something that is doable for a go-getter and somebody that is very resourceful and committed and dedicated. So that was something that 10 years ago, I'd never would have believed if somebody would have said you can do apartments and you should do them right now. I maybe would have thought about it, but it took more than that really get my head around it, that I could do it. And I have Adam Adams to thank for that of all people. He's really the person who I have to attribute me changing my mindset to apartment investor mindset.
2: That is great. Tate, you have the luxury of seeing what happened in 2008, 2009. Yeah. We're in a long bull run. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned with what's going to happen with cap rates or asset prices going forward?
0: Not really. And I'll tell you why. We're based in Salt Lake City, right? But we're buying in Oklahoma City and Columbus. And the reason we're buying there is because we can buy assets that cash flow nicely that pay the debt service well, that pay our investors well, that have leftover cash flow for the GP, and basically our class C, class C plus, class B minus type assets that do very, very well in a downturn. So should we see some sort of recession or pullback in the market or even cap rates going up? We're in this for the long term. And if we need to hold properties, we can. That's one of our exit strategies if we have to. So in other words, we're prepared for something like that happening by nature of the assets that we're investing in. And again, traditionally, multifamily assets in a recession perform very, very well. The default rate in that last recession was a 10th of what single family was. It was about 0.4% in the multifamily assets that defaulted. So very, very low default rate. Those assets perform well in recessions. Often there's increased demand on rents and increased pressure on rents from people downsizing and downgrading into less expensive housing. So we feel really strongly, we're not speculating, we're not buying A-class assets for appreciation purposes, which a lot of people are doing right now. We're not playing ball in markets that are overpriced and we still keep our finger on the pulse of Utah, but unless something exceptional comes up, we're not buyers here.
2: A lot of great points there. Now that you've gotten some larger unit count properties, would you still purchase a 20, 30 unit property?
0: That is an awesome question. And I would say yes, but here's the qualification. It's gotta be in one of our markets that we're already in.
2: Is that so you can leverage your property management company?
0: Yeah, exactly. Leverage our infrastructure in those markets to, to properly manage and essentially being able to keep our business plan going and keeping our word to our investors and everything else. So we just closed on a 51 unit, which is smaller than what we look for, but it's literally right next door to a 60 unit that our property management company owns themselves. So they're going to be co-managed properties and they'll be co-disposed of when we go to sell, we'll sell the properties together as a portfolio. So there were compelling reasons to do that project outside of the unit count. And it penciled very, very well. So same thing with our 60 unit in Columbus that we're working on right now. Pencils really well. And it's really close to 70 other units that we own. All
2: right. So here's another question, Tate. If you found a great deal on a 2030 unit in a market where you're already at, would you take it down yourself or would you still syndicate it?
0: Great question. I would say we would opt to take it down ourselves if we could. Typically, the amount of capital needed for a project like that is obviously less than 150 units or 250 units. So bringing in multiple investors may or may not be necessary. The other thing that we've done on projects that small is just brought in one capital partner as a joint venture partner. So it's, again, not technically a syndication, but that's one way of creating a win for the capital partner and for us and everything else. So, yeah, that can work.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. It's one of those dilemmas where you could syndicate it and get a great return for a number of investors and maybe get their feet wet for future investments. But at the same time, if it's a great return, it's hard to pass that up. Yeah. How do you find these deals right now? Because you're in the Midwest, you're on the West Coast. Yep. How do you source deals?
0: We've got a great relationship with a brokerage and Denver that has a strong presence in Oklahoma City and their players in Oklahoma City themselves. They both own and manage many properties in Oklahoma City. Their property management arm has about 28 communities that they manage there. So they are fantastic at finding deals for us and they will occasionally pick up a deal themselves, but they're not set up to buy everything they find. So we are basically almost partners with them in a way at this point because they're bringing us deals, they're helping us underwrite them and do all the due diligence items that are necessary, and then they're managing for us. So it's a wonderful relationship. And then in Columbus, we have a couple great broker relationships as well. Everything we're doing right now, except for one property, was off market.
2: So there are pocket listings that the broker brought to you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Tate, when you look at underwriting these deals, is there something high level that you look at first? Is it cap rate, cash on cash returns, under market rents? What Mm -hmm. is it that allows you to either next the deal or pursue it?
0: I'd say there's two basic metrics that I look at real quickly. One is just your unit price. And because we know these markets really well, and we work in them all the time, we know, that say in Oklahoma City, a class C asset at $50,000 a unit is something that's going to work pretty well for us. All other things given that are okay, right? And then the other thing we'll look at is the operating cap rate. So given current financials and current operations, what does that cap rate look like against our purchase price? That's going to tell us Basically, whether or not it's going to cash flow and break even and be something that we can make pencil. If we're looking at something that's at least a six and a half cap, we know that that's going to probably work and we'll dig in pretty hard on that deal.
2: What are your current pain points in your business right now?
0: In any syndicator's business, it's deal flow and capital flow. Those are your two big things. And then the third aspect of your operations is your operations or asset management, running the properties that you own. I don't know that we have any pain points per se, but I would say we're finding more deals than capital right now, but we always end up closing our deals. So at the end of the day, we're finding what we need, but our capital raising game is maybe a little bit lagging behind our deal finding game, if that makes sense. We really set up our systems and processes early in the business for finding deals. And as we found them, we've upped our capital raising game and put our landing page in place with all the infrastructure that's needed to build your email list and everything else. And we're doing very well with that, but it's a newer part of our business. So it's definitely always under development and renovation and everything else. So I would say capital raising is probably where worth yeah. the most
1: time. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before. But what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem. And the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually, and you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit trustrentify.com. And use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package.
2: In addition to doing podcasts like this, what else are you doing to drive people to your website?
0: I have a podcast myself called The Apartment Guys. It gets a lot of listener base, which is fantastic. I feel very blessed. I've had that for about a year and a half and have done well with that. We have social media engagement, LinkedIn. We have a monthly meetup group that meets on the third Wednesday of every month called the Salt Lake City Multifamily Meetup, which can be found on meetup.com. And we meet a lot of people through that, partners, investors, co-GP, even like capital raisers. So those are really what we're using to drive traffic.
2: And are you the front man or are your partners equally out there trying to promote?
0: Yeah, I'd say I'm the front man, but we're all raising capital all the time. Chelsea Garber is one of my partners and she's really our point of contact in Oklahoma City with our broker there. So she's kind of the face of the company in that market. I'm always helping her and backing her up and getting her what she needs and everything. And then I really work the Columbus market myself pretty hard. We do a fundraising webinar. I'm usually the one facilitating it. So, and I was a visionary behind the company, created the brand, created the vision, created the goals with my partner, co-created those. My partner, Carl, is just a fantastic tactician, really great at picking up what needs to be done and getting it done and developing systems and processes around our fundraising platform and attorney relationships. And there's a lot to this. Um, It sounds
2: like you've put together (laughs) an incredible team.
0: Yeah, it's, we've got a good team, a good crew for sure.
2: That's great. Tate, if we can circle back to the land entitlements, can we dig yeah. into that just for a second? Sure. If I recall correctly, you were purchasing
0: land and changing zoning and then selling it? We actually, have never changed zoning. And the reason for that is because that's never a guarantee. Unless you know the city real well and you know people at the city real well and you know what their master plan is, you know what they're looking for, and you have some good guidance that they would welcome a zone change, unless you've got that in place, buying a property that's contingent either on a zone change or buying the property outright and counting on getting a zone change after you buy it can be a little bit risky because it's not a guaranteed thing. Now, getting a property that's zoned multifamily but doesn't have, let's say, a plan for multifamily there And you go and you read the code and you find out we've got an acre and a half here. We can put 20 units on it, 20 townhome units. Let's get an architect to draw that out for us. Let's get that plan approved by the city so that somebody can come right in, break ground, and start digging and building. That's what we did. We bought the property, kept the current zoning, but used the current zoning to get the land properly entitled for a project so that somebody could just plow forward with it.
2: And did you always buy the property or did you have options on
0: it at times? We had options more often. We were buying the property. We did do one project that we had to rezone. We had two lots. It was a four lot project that we were assembling for, I think about 30 townhomes. And we had two lots that were zoned properly and two that needed to be rezoned and were part of the master plan of that community to be rezoned. So it was kind of a slam dunk and we went ahead and just bought the property and had it entitled and sold it to a developer and did pretty well on it.
2: And this seems like it's pretty lucrative. Do you still pursue land deals?
0: We don't look hard for them. We're known in the city as people that can do these. So people do bring projects to us once in a while. Commercial multifamily is really what Greenlight's about and we know that's our future, the advantages of multifamily. I know, Ash, you talk about this all the time, but the capability of wealth creation that this asset class offers is unparalleled. And, and then ongoing cash flow, too, right? Like passive residual cash flow, if you're a passive investor, prospect of really nice returns on an investment. There's so many great advantages, tax advantages risk mitigation. We can talk about any of those things at length, but there's just so many compelling reasons to be in apartments. When our eyes were open to that two years ago, two and a half years ago, we kind of haven't looked back. We haven't really been looking for anything else. So Tate, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever would be, this is one you've heard before, but find a partner. You hear find a mentor a lot find a partner that you can do a deal with, somebody that can sponsor a deal, somebody that can capitalize a deal, somebody that has a resume or experience in the industry. Go find a partner. The best thing we ever did as a team, Carl and I, was bringing our third partner in, Tim Walkie. He has been wonderful, and we brought him in just as an expert on one of our deals. We just wanted him on the team. He didn't bring anything to the table. He actually ended up bringing some money to the table and got a little more of the GP for that. But originally we were just inviting him to be on the team, period. I think it was 5% just to be an advisor and put us a couple of years ahead of where we otherwise would have been if we were just doing it on our own. So I love bringing in an experienced partner that knows what they're doing. It's going to put you so far ahead.
2: That is great advice. Tate, are you ready for the lightning
0: round? Yes, sir. You bet. Let's do it. Tell you, what's the best ever book you recently read? Best ever book I just got done reading is called The Uncivilized Man. And I think it's a must read for any of us dudes that want to live a large life and go big in all the areas of our life and have a lot of excitement, a lot of success in those parts of our lives. So The Uncivilized Man, Traver Bohm is the author.
2: What was your biggest takeaway from
0: that book? This is getting a little outside of real estate, but the, the importance of dealing with your stuff... Dealing with anything that's causing you hang ups, whether that's pain from past experiences in life or unresolved issues in relationships or whatever that is, getting it all out, getting everything out and dealing with it so that you can be at peace, so you can be whole, you can be grounded and successful and moving forward. Getting unstuck is a big theme of that book, and I love that. Yeah.
2: Tate, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: Well, I love, love, love helping people in this industry, people that contact me through the podcast or through the meetup group that I have a Calendly link that people can book appointments with me anytime, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever you need. I'm here to help. I don't ask for anything in return. And I just like helping people that are maybe just a step or two behind where we are and just need a little advice here or a little nudge there or a resource recommendation. I really love helping people inside of this industry. So right now that's my focus. I give to a few charities as well. Some Christian outreach groups that build orphanages around the planet. That's kind of my gig. Yeah, on
2: I love your attitude. Just the fact that you love giving back advice to people that are coming up is incredible. Yep. Tate, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
0: Greenlight is our web address, www.investwithgreenlight. You can find links to my podcast. You can find ways to reach me via email, phone, et cetera. Please, please, please reach out, guys. Obviously, you're listening to this stuff and you're immersed in this stuff. Take the next step and reach out to Ash's group, to my group. We're here to help. That's why we're here. Yeah, Tate,
2: thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. You started out as a ski bum moving out west, And I bet nobody, including you, thought you're going to be where you are at today. So thank you for sharing how you got to where you are and giving us your time today.
0: My pleasure. It was great. Really enjoyed it, Ash.
2: Yeah. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us as always. Have a best ever day.